Welcome to another episode of Morning Coffee with your host, Rick Alexander. I started this show to talk about all of the interesting, complex, paradoxical, and sometimes uncomfortable aspects of the human experience. If you get anything from this show, the greatest compliment you could give me is to share this show with somebody that you think the message may resonate with or to head to iTunes and give us a five-star review. Additionally, if you want to interact with me, you can follow me at rickalexander underscore on Instagram. Without further ado, on to the show. We all go through seasons where we get stuck in some pretty undesirable places. So today I want to break down why we end up in these negative places and hopefully understand why they can be so difficult to get out of. The human animal certainly thrives on forward progress. And in fact, our entire psyche is structured in a way so that it depends on momentum, just like anything else in the world. The unfortunate part of that, though, is that the momentum doesn't discriminate. If you pay attention, you'll notice that your body and mind respond to good ideas just as much as they respond to ideas that aren't at all productive for you. You'll find with repeated exposure of ideas, feelings, and behaviors, your body will begin to crave more of those experiences. This is regardless of whether or not they're good for you or productive. When we begin to pattern ourselves toward our goals, We feel it in every aspect of our lives. Like when you're engaged in a good movement practice, over time, if you stay with it, you'll feel the need to fuel that movement with appropriate food as well, typically whole real food, and you'll just want to cut out more junk. And in fact, you may find that it feels unnatural to eat garbage food after only a few weeks of eating to maintain your goals or to go after your goals. Your body is responding to your environment and it's signaling to your brain for what it needs to keep being successful. We're highly adaptable creatures in that way, and our brains adapt endlessly to the stimulus that we give them. In that same way, we can find momentum and consequently adaptation going against us. We can just as easily be inhabited by bad ideas, and if we aren't exposed to something that helps us turn the momentum around, we find that our spiral just keeps descending, bringing both our mental state and our physiology with it. This is why seasoned heroin addicts can ingest up to 150 times the lethal dose and barely feel buzzed, because our brains have an endless capacity to keep adapting to what we expose them to. Now, if you're someone who is currently ingesting 150 times the lethal dose of heroin, you probably have a pretty good idea of why you're feeling stuck in life. But unfortunately, even people that avoid harsh substances or other things that are known to be bad for them aren't immune to negative thought patterns that form addiction. Over time, we create a mental status quo. This is like a set point for our feeling state. Our brain begins to recognize this set point as homeostasis because remember, our brains evolved to survive, not thrive. My partner Danielle made a post the other day about how when we feel stuck, it's often because we feel safe. Our desire to do whatever we need to do to get us unstuck is counteracted by our deeper desire to remain psychologically or physiologically safe. That resulting friction is called resistance. It's the capital R word that stands between who we are and who we want to be. The reason we can't simply decide one day to just push through it is because our desires for safety are rooted much deeper than other desires. 
And so our set point, whatever that is, is safe. And you'll notice that changing it is quite difficult. Even if we alter behavior for a short period of time, our brain will eventually begin to crave what it knows as normal function. This is why you can't decide to change your life at a Tony Robbins seminar or even a Clarity Academy workshop for that matter and have that change actually last without doing the difficult work of continuously trying to override your current set point. It's taken years to learn and as a result will take a long period of time to unlearn as well. Seminars, podcasts, or where you draw motivation from can be helpful because it can show you where you need to put in the work. But of course, none of those can actually do it for you. So then what does all of this mean for us that are stuck and looking to generate some momentum in our lives? Well, first of all, it's going to take work, but not just work because you've decided that you don't want to be stuck anymore. And that's the point that I'm hoping to impart to you today. The decision to change is great, but it won't help you until you realize what you're up against. And that's most likely going to require grace because as you fall short of what you're up against, you're going to have to put yourself in a place where you can actually continue to improve. This is why today you might be riding the high of motivation and feel empowered and unstoppable and then tomorrow be right back in the same pit you've known for years. In a very literal sense, we become addicted to how we chronically are just as much as we become addicted to what we chronically use. Oftentimes, when we feel stuck in life for prolonged periods, it's actually because our brain has adapted so that the point we feel stuck at and our mental set point are one and the same. If you're wondering if this is you, there are a few signs that you're becoming addicted to negative feeling states that keep us stuck. And so what this means is that if you do any of these, Getting unsuck isn't about simply deciding, it's about overcoming the addiction. And so here's some of the things, if you find yourself doing, might uh, be an indication that you are in fact addicted, addicted to negative feeling states. If you find reasons to be miserable when life gets too quote unquote good, uh, if you prefer to play the victim role and blame others rather than take responsibility for your choices, if you compete with friends and colleagues to see who has it the hardest, if you have difficulty setting and achieving goals or conversely achieve goals only to find that, they, that you can't enjoy the success of them, if you struggle to bounce back when things don't go your way, if you distract, escape, or cope by using drugs, alcohol, sex, food, or other addictive or compulsive behaviors, if you stop taking care of your basic needs such as diet, regular exercise, adequate sleep, if you feel enslaved to your emotions or powerless to change, feel dissatisfied even when life is going well, if you have dramatic, unfulfilling relationships, all of these things, they just cause this resistance. Some of the things that I really want to point out there is like feeling enslaved to emotions or powerless to change, and then also having difficulty setting and achieving those goals. It's because really you're becoming addicted to a set point, and that set point, it, it, your mind is recognizing as safe. And so it's very difficult, like that resistance is you're, you're up against, like I said, you're at this counter battle between your psychological safety and what you actually want for yourself. And I like these lists because sometimes in hearing them, we can see our own behavior in a new light. We can also see that we're not alone in what we're up against, which can be difficult because we tend to get really myopic to our own struggles. It's also easy to begin assigning a moral failing to any kind of addiction, which is not only unhelpful, it's actually technically inaccurate. Addiction is a result of hijacked neurobiology. Understand that if you're addicted to these negative feeling states, you have an uphill battle ahead of you, but not an impossible one. 
If we aren't careful, though, we can begin to believe the lies of pain, which are that we're alone in it or that we deserve it. And this is the problem with these moral sort of uh, tags that we like to put on things like this. You can tell by some of this behavior, such as competing to see you as at the hardest, that your brain is actually craving that low set point and looking for ways to actively return when it feels itself ascending. We often sabotage things that would build momentum or things that we want, like a new relationship or job, because we've been addicted to how we feel in our victim states. I'm telling you this because if you know what you're up against, you'll at least know what to look for as you work to improve your set point. It's also likely that you'll relapse on your way out of the pit of despair, and that's important to understand. Some days, even though you've clearly identified what you want to go after, you'll feel just as low as ever, maybe worse. This is why we find so much trouble getting out of our predicament. It's like the often used example of a bucket of crabs. See, the fisherman doesn't put a lid on its bucket because he knows all of the other crabs won't allow one to escape. In their uncalculated attempts to reach freedom, they'll continue to pull each other back into the bucket. Most of us think it's our surroundings and other people that are pulling us back in. But the truth is, it's our years of feeling a certain way that aren't going to allow us to simply climb on up to freedom unchallenged. Here's an example uh, and one that I've struggled with. If you've patterned yourself around self-loathing, for example, like when things go wrong, do you call yourself a loser or a piece of shit or stupid or whatever your go-to is? And, and maybe after a while, you realize the hurt that that's actually doing in your life. So you might be motivated to show more love for yourself. And maybe you do this for weeks or maybe even a couple of months. But the truth is that self-loathing is something that's learned at a very young age most of the time. So the pattern is deep. So what will happen when things go wrong or you're exposed to an old trigger of that behavior is that you'll begin to feel the old thoughts start whirling around, even if you've been practicing compassion towards self or whatever. It's likely that you'll feel the self-loathing come on stronger than ever. This is the addict who's been clean for years and has a sudden relapse. See, the right trigger was presented and the brain began to motivate you toward that behavior. This is the true role of dopamine in our lives. It isn't just released to help us feel good. It actually motivates us toward whatever it is that causes its release. This is also why it's so hard to kick things you're addicted to. Your brain is actually compelling you toward the behavior. If you learn to center yourself through self-loathing, for example, then the right trigger, even after all of your hard work, will make you feel like you're back at square one. You aren't, of course. But what's it matter if it feels like you are? And see, this is the problem you throw the baby out with the bathwater as soon as something like this happens, as soon as you feel that trigger, no matter how, many, how much time you've put in to ascending, to growing, to becoming a better version of yourself, these little triggers spiral us and all of a sudden we become back at square one and we throw out all of the work that we've done. This cues the behavior and then the cycle just continues. And so if you've heard me say before that most of what is ruining our lives has us convinced that we like it, it's this neurological process that I'm actually referring to. We're motivated to keep ourselves wherever we are. And what makes unearthing the addiction to sad or negative feeling states so difficult is that it's happening at a subconscious level. Your subconscious mind is a lot like the puppeteer, directing your conscious actions. When people can't seem to figure out why they keep attracting the same kind of person, for example, it's because the need they are meeting, or more accurately, the wound they are hoping to heal, is below the level of the conscious mind. So the person just feels attraction or compulsion or whatever it is. This is also why we shouldn't be so quick to look for moral failings in people who can't for the life of them figure out why they are driven toward things that aren't good for them. It reminds me of the Carl Jung quote, until you make the unconscious conscious, 
it will rule your life and you will call it fate. What this means is that you must do the difficult work of reminding yourself of what you want. While I don't think goals are always a go-to to get people unstuck, it does give you the important part, which is something to aim at. As you begin to walk toward a goal, if that goal is asking you to make moves you've never made, it's actually necessary to remind yourself of what you want, of how you actually want to think. Without doing that, your mind will not only fall back into its default, but it will also motivate you to get there. You'll have to do the uncomfortable work of looking for what's right when everything feels wrong. You'll have to engage in healthy activities even when you don't feel like it. You'll have to remind yourself that what your brain is telling you just isn't true. Something I got from my buddy Angelo a long time ago and I try to tell most of my clients, especially in the Clarity Academy, it's whenever I feel the need to stop taking care of myself, this is where I know that I need to the most. Hope you guys have an amazing Monday. I'll talk to you later on Morning Talk.